Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be reading Spidey Comics from August of 1984. That's right. And to celebrate, we have a very special returning guest, Dustin Windebank. Hey, everyone. Glad to be back. <laughs> All right. Don't get too excited, Dusty. It's only Spidey, Woo! right? All yeah. right. Okay, so we've obviously talked about your... Uh, we've, we've talked about Spidey before with you. We've talked about growing up reading comics. So we can just jump right into the fray, I guess. Um, we are in the yeah. middle of the Black Costume Saga. What are your feelings about the Black Costume, Dustin? The... Uh, yeah, it's interesting because it's such a... It's such... It's so iconic. I mean, I was reading it um, and my daughter came over and she was immediately like... I thought you were reading Spider-Man comics. Why is that Venom? Ah, uh, um, yeah. So interesting. interesting. The uh, that that immediate like identification that oh, that's Venom. <laughs> right. Um, now, of course, she's eleven, so <laughs> there's a a different world. I, I remember the uh, the symbiote costume when I was a kid and being like, oh, that's so cool. Um, but. And I like the way the the uh, that it's coming into this the story slowly. So I think we'll hit on that in the comics. Right, right. It's cool. It's a mystery, right? Like no one really knew what was going on. So that's cool. Um, so first, let's start off with this cover, which I will be using for the thumbnail. Um, I really think this cover is cool. Uh, Josh, what do you think of this cover? Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's another cool one with uh, the red ghost. Uh, I remember. I, I think it's pretty good. Um, I think that I just remember the previous uh, issue with the Red Ghost and how great that cover was. Yes. With um, it was like the the pink light shining on uh, on the ghosts and the apes as they're like mm -hmm. hanging on the building and the way that the light wrapped around. It was really cool. This one this one's really cool too, but it just kind of reminds me of of, of how good one. Right, yeah. right, because right, right. that one was great. Well, here's the thing is that the Ron Friends is a great penciler, but he's inked by Joseph Rubenstein, who I have never been a huge fan of. And if you look at this cover, it's a great idea. It's a great concept, but I find the inking looks just really amateur. I, I don't like it at all. So if you look at the Red Ghost's face and the Super Apes, they look pretty terrible, to be honest. It's more just a good idea. Dustin, what do you think? Oh, definitely. Like you look at the, uh, the the detail and the fineness and the, like the cross hatching on the red ghost face. It's just not. Uh, yeah, it seems clunky. Right, right, right. Okay, so we're gonna jump into yeah, this issue. I, oh, go ahead, Josh. Actually, uh, jumping off of that, it's kind of funny too because there's a panel in the issue that really stood out to me uh, of the the red ghost face. That I right. thought was extremely well done. Uh, it's on uh, digital page seven, the bottom right panel. Oh, um, I love that. He's like, oh, it's so good. He's got this really intense, like evil, menacing look. His yep. face is like half in shadow, and it's just like two colors, really. It's like this like grayish purple, and then this like bright sickly like yellow green color that's like highlighting his face, and it's so well done. And then you compare that to the cover, and it's just like, you—I don't know—it's—it's it's a huge difference, and I think it's so much 
so much better in the actual issue. Right, right, right. So let's just quickly mm -hmm. summarize this. Uh, we start off yeah. with a mysterious figure um, breaking in to a like a, a what's it called a penthouse of a building and i think at first we're meant to think it's spider-man i'm assuming because he's wearing an all-black costume but then once he reveals his face we find out it's this old man right which we I, I believe this is his first appearance we've never met him before and then he quickly encounters the super apes and the red ghost who we all know from spider cast from a few weeks back or a few months back and whom we love because he's a great freaking character we touch base with Spidey, who was washing his costume, and then we turn to the subplot of Spider-Man, um, you know, going to sleep at night, and then something happening with his alien costume. Because again, we don't know, the readers don't know exactly what's going on yet. <laughs> Sorry, I was watching Dustin with his cat. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, we, we get some touching base with him referring to Black Cat and all that, and then we basically find out the secret plan of the uh, the super apes, or sorry, the red ghost. I guess the red ghost is probably the brains of the operation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, they, oh, you know, I can't even remember, what is it? He wants to steal something, right? He wants uh, the, the he wants the silver fox. Sorry, we didn't even mention. So the character ends up being the silver fox, who is like a master thief. And the red ghost ends up basically forcing him to help him steal. What is it he wants it's to steal like, again? It's he just money. money. Yeah, because yeah. he's, like, trapped in a house, and he, right. he won't leave. So yeah. um, he's pretty much, like, forcing this guy to uh, to steal for them, or else he'll he'll send his ape goons to kill him. So right, right. He's kind of uh, stuck in this. It's because he needs funds to finish his cosmic si cosmicizer. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's what it is. And then, yeah, so basically, while he's... While the the Silver Fox and the Super Apes are in the middle of breaking into this building, um, Silver Fox tries to get away because he doesn't really want to help them. But in the meantime, Spider-Man intervenes. And, of course, it ends up, you know, in fisticuffs with Spider-Man fighting them. And it kind of turns into a typical superhero battle with wisecracks and, you know, fighting for a few pages. And that's pretty much it. Uh, and then at the end... and then. The silver fox ends up disappearing. Uh, the red ghost does. He doesn't get what he wants. Yeah, he's pissed off at Spidey. He's like, "You shall pay." Uh, he doesn't get what he wants. So Spider-Man wins the day. But then we get a little subplot at the end of somebody who we assume is the Hobgoblin talking about how he basically realizes that Spider-Man has been uh, following him because he's got a spider tracer on his van, and he's like, "When next we meet, surely you know Spider-Man will surely die." And that's pretty much the end. So yeah, again. Oh, go ahead. And the implication is that there was a trap set for him. There was a trap because he put the uh, this um, tracer on the uh, the war wagon, and he was right. chasing it down. And he brought it for a trap, but then um, uh, he got in interrupted by having to deal with uh, this, the fox. Right, right, right. So basically, you know, again, a decent issue of Amazing Spider-Man. Not as good as the the high watermark set by Roger Stern and John Romita Jr., but still a mm -hmm. solid superhero you know marvel story uh dustin what do you think of this issue uh it, it was okay um the uh there were some really interesting bits in it uh and i, th I got the feeling and sorry i i'm I don't know i'm not familiar with the authors at the time but i felt like the author was trying to like really weave some some themes through it yeah um, uh, uh tom defalco yep 
Yeah. So, I mean, first, even that, like, you think it's Spider-Man who's doing the theft, but then it turns out it's really um, uh, Black Fox. And they, and they tried that hard as far as, you know, oh, yeah, well, wait, Black, why did I call him Silver Fox? Anyway, yeah, it's Black Fox. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they tried hard to make it seem like it was Spider-Man for the first page, which was sort of interesting. But one thing I, I found interesting is both Black Fox and... Um, uh, and the Red Ghost were so driven by fear. There's just lines over and over again, but through both of them, you know, uh, Black Fox is terrified of um, uh, of the uh, Red Ghost, and there's an implication that the Red Ghost is agoraphobic and scared to go outside. And he talks about how he's going to increase his cosmic power a thousandfold, so he doesn't need to be um, fearful of the Fantastic Four anymore. Right. Strange this this theme of like fear on behalf of the villains. Interesting. Okay. Josh, that, did you know? Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dustin. Oh, there's just this line like, "No, I can't leave this apartment. Such an act would be akin to suicide." Right. It's right. Very melodramatic concern of their own safety. That's a good point. I didn't even notice that. Josh, did you pick up on that at all? I mean, yeah. I I I was kind of waiting for it to kind of connect into the story a little bit more and maybe mm. play off of that fear but i don't think at the end of the day it really kind of connected i thought maybe he would like force the force the red ghost to like go outside and that's kind of like his fear would be his downfall or something but um it, it's kind of interesting and i think that Really, all it does at the end of the day, which I really enjoyed, was just kind of give the characters a little bit more depth, uh, right. the villains a little bit more depth, and kind of make them more human. Um, mm -hmm. Especially since we're dealing with this old man who is a ghost who also controls apes that turn into everyday objects. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. It's just freaking ridiculous. So I definitely appreciate those uh, those small little moments kind of sprinkled throughout. Yeah, uh, I was I was similarly expecting that fear theme to turn into something. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, Dustin, uh, are you what is your, what's your impression of the Red Ghost and the Super Apes? Have you come across them before? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, I had the uh, um, the Guide to the Marvel Universe as a kid, so okay. I read their entry and was like, Spider Man. <laughs> well, I, I was an X Men guy as a as a kid. Okay. An kid. So. Uh, yeah, but other than that, I've never really ran into them again. I don't know how prevalent they are as a uh, well, Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery. They're actually originally Fantastic Four characters, so they're created by Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Um, I think if you go back and read those original stories, they have a really cool science fiction, like 1950s bend to them. And I don't know, I've always thought they were really cool because the second Spider-Man comic I ever read had the those characters in it, so I've always had like an, an affection for them. But um, they're not quite as good in this issue, but still good. And as I said before, the I, I do think the art in this issue is good, but it is really ruined by the inking. And um, it is nice if you flip through the pages, if you look at how many pages there are with like nine or more panels per page, right? So it's that classic Marvel-style storytelling. It's very clear. It's, it's really succinct. But like I said, it's ruined by the inking. And so there's not really, other than the Red Ghost panel that, um, that you mentioned, there's not really one panel that stands out as a great panel. It's more just an overall, it feels like a classic Marvel comic. But it's not yeah, really I, 
I definitely like the layout that the uh, penciler's done. Like all, all of the the angles and the right. um, like blocking of the characters within the panel is really good. Yeah, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, this, uh, I completely agree with kind of like the layout of everything, um, the the action lines, and kind of the way that everything is framed really helps tell the stories. Mm -hmm. uh, to tell the story, I mean, even the action, like. Um, like like tell the actions and like what the characters are kind of planning or thinking. Right. Um, I mean, particularly on page uh, original eleven, uh, they're standing on the rooftop. The the black fox with like with the uh, the apes behind them, right? And the building that they're standing on, it's actually pointing like it makes an arrow pointing right at the estate jewelry store. Good point. Just like I don't know, it just like there's a lot of little things like that that really kind of help tell the story without having to stop and have a narration of the bad guys just arrived at the jewelry store and well, well the jewelry owners in first so, you know it's just like yeah. over explaining the action I, i'd rather just see what's going on and and have uh have the uh, the drawings kind of tell that story i mean it's well, you, you can really tell um, the difference between the two styles of storytelling through the art when you go from the Amazing Spider-Man to Marvel Team Up. This uh, well, yeah, Let, yeah. Let's put let's delay that as long as possible. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, since we're on page, I want to talk about you know even like the top of this page, the top panel, the silhouette of all of them on the top of the building. That's a great shot. That's a great layout. Then we cut to the next panel, like you mentioned, how the corner of the building is pointing to Estelle Jewelry. And again, this is the reverse S format of the of the page, um, where the lines of each panel are, are you can cut through them and it leads you to the next panel. So you see in the very bottom, one of the apes has turned into like an eagle, and its wings are kind of connecting and pointing to the panel above it. So it tells you where to go. Then if you look, the it, the characters lead into this like abyss. So you can really you really get the feeling that they're hanging over the city, right? Because there's no detail there. It's great. Mm -hmm. Then the next panel, the lines again, they run together in a nice diagonal there. And then it leads you to the last panel. And then you know your eye follows up through um, Black Fox's arms and then up into his shoulders and then right to the next page. So that's actually that is a really well laid out page. And they're pretty much all like mm -hmm. that. So yeah. Uh, and if I were to pick on anything in this page, it would again be some of the inking. Right. There's some some of the line work is is not as good as it could be. It's just sloppy. Yeah. It just looks yeah. really amateur. Anyone could do it. Yeah. Well, like that garage door um, that they're about to or the um, the roll down gate over the door that they're about to break through. It looks like uh, it looks like I did it in grade nine. Right, exactly, exactly. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's amateur. There's nothing professional about it, in my opinion. Exactly. So yeah, uh, I, I do recommend this issue. Again, not a not a classic, but if you want a if you want a, it's not a masterpiece, but it is a classic. It's a classic Spidey story. So again, not groundbreaking, but I definitely recommend it as a classic Spider-Man story. Uh, Dustin, what about you? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's uh, I like the fact that it. This Amazing Spider-Man and the Spectacular Spider-Man are definitely happening like in the same world. They're they're referencing each other, so it it. But this one feels like the supporting story. Right, right. 
Yeah, I mean, maybe it's just kind of a filler. Like, this doesn't really have much to do with the overall ongoing arc. It's kind of just like a filler story with, let's let's throw a classic villain in there and let Ron friends draw him kind of thing, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes uh, the villain of the week story turns out great. Right, right. Definitely. And then we've also introduced the Black Fox, who definitely comes back in future stories. So that's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, Josh, what's your final take then? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Um, again, it, I maybe it's just because it's pinned, it's you know pinned up between these other two issues that yeah, we're talking about. But yeah. I really had a lot of fun reading this one. Um, I love kind of horniness with the villains, but um, giving them a little bit of depth kind of grounds them in reality, even though that they are these kind of like wild concepts of for, for right. characters like they, it's 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 yeah it's a, it's a lot of fun and I, I would definitely recommend this one right okay so on, on that note let's jump to something that we're probably not going to recommend but i don't want to jump the gun uh josh okay. you can summarize marvel team up number 144 right so we have <laughs> um in this issue we have spider-man and moon knight mm. and Okay, I'm going to try my best again. I'm so sorry for our listeners that have to put up with me recapping these team-ups. But it's just, it's always just so freaking confusing. So, um, we have uh, we have this funeral for this man named Do Yang, and Moon Knight shows up to the funeral, and uh, this man's son, Chu Yang, uh, kind of confronts him, and it turns out that Moon Knight uh, and this old man, they kind of helped each other. Uh, and like Do Yang would like give him information and ask him to like help clean up the streets and kind of he kind of like you know they helped each other out. Um, so uh, uh, from here we cut to a flashback. This is like the story. This is like the issue for flashbacks. Um, right. We have we have this like origin story uh, kind of. Uh, of the skin who is this villain who has been like terrorizing um chinatown mm-hmm. and uh has kind of like become this like new leader of the one of the mobs there so it's he's i think he, they call them the the dragons i think he's the white dragon and he's in charge of the, the dragons mm-hmm. so uh Chu Yang wants revenge and he wants to kill the white dragon and Moon Knight is kind of like trying to hint at he probably shouldn't be doing that. Uh, so then we cut over to Peter Parker and he gets a job to go um, funnily enough go to Chinatown and mm-hmm. report and take pictures of uh, some crimes that have been happening and he runs into his friend uh, Phil who he used to go to school with um, and they kind of start talking, and then we get another origin story for this guy, who is in like a different um, like society. I think they called him in Chinatown. Um, he's with the uh, the Tiger Claw Society. But anyways, back in China, we find out that he was being trained by this like master um, warlord. Mm-hmm. of almost legendary fame it says and there's like this accident and his master dies or yeah his master dies and this like rival gang throws a grenade in the house 
killing his parents. So he moves to New York and he vowed never to resolve any conflict with violence. Right. Now that he's kind of like almost next in line to lead the Tiger Claw Society, they're looking to him for leadership, but he's not really stepping up to fight the White Dragon because he's vowed not to uh, get into any conflicts like that. So it turns out that the White Dragon is showing up to his place above this restaurant, and uh, Peter helps out as Spider-Man. Some fights going down, White Dragon spitting fire. Um, Moon Knight shows up and then everybody kind of disperses once uh, the fighting is done. And uh, we see Moon Knight uh, don his alter ego, Jack Lockley, and he meets up with this informant. And this guy tells him that um, the White Dragon was actually freed from prison uh, by another gang but he's not too sure which gang. They didn't get like a a name or anything. So that's all the information that Moon Knight has. So he goes off to kind of try to solve that mystery. And then we catch up with um, Spider-Man who goes into, I think it's a jewelry shop and uh, the white dragon is there and he's trying to pretty much kill uh, Phil Chang Mm -hmm. um, to kind of like, take charge of all of the gangs in Chinatown and uh, <laughs> another another important thing that I forgot to say because there's just so much happening right uh, Chu Yang is also also don't doesn't want um, Moon Knight getting involved because uh, everything that happens in Chinatown has to be resolved by people that live in Chinatown in these gangs. Like, they're not allowed to get outside help. Right. So, the White Dragon is beating up Phil, and he's refusing to fight. Um, Chu Yang shows up and tells tells everybody that he's placed... Or he tells Spider-Man that he placed a bomb somewhere, and he won't tell Spider-Man where it is. So, Spider-Man can't help Phil because he's trying to look for a bomb so nobody dies. Phil's getting, like, the snot beat out of him. And then Moon Knight shows up (laughs) with this guy from another gang. And it turns out that it was Kingpin who freed uh, the White Dragon from prison. So that way he could have control of all of New York, including Chinatown. Because that was the one place he didn't have, like, a section of the mob. And because the White Dragon got help from people outside of Chinatown he was then kind of like turned on and everybody turned on him and Moon Knight was able to step in because he was no longer a member of the gang Um, Peter Parker finds the bomb and then that's pretty much where we end things off I mean so much happens and it feels like nothing really matters Right. (laughs) right like it's just like events happening and like needlessly complicated. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, uh, I'll give it points for trying to tell the full story in one issue. I'll give it points yeah. for, you know, trying to incorporate all these subplots and characters and backstory. Yeah. However, it, it does not, it's like you said, it's one of those things where there's so much going on, but it feels like it, it, nothing happens, right? Like you finish the comic and I don't right. want to. I don't want to read it again. It, it's, it's like off-putting. 
Like, whereas The Amazing Spider-Man, it pulls you in. This one pushes you out, right? I think it's just so weird that they kind of, like, set up these weird rules, too, for Chinatown. Like, it was just, like, the fact that, like, not accepting help outside of Chinatown society is super weird. And it's just, like, it's only in the story to have the, like, twist of the bad guy got outside help. So right. That's how everything resolves. Like, it's it's just this weird, like, box that they trap themselves in. If it was just this mystery of who the, uh, the white dragon is and where he's getting all of his help from, and it's Spider-Man and Moon Knight and Phil trying to figure this out without violence, then, you know, I think that's so much more of an interesting story than what we have here. It's just like... Uh, and there's a lot of right. just random things happening. Right. Like when Peter comes to Chinatown, and I didn't realize this at first, uh, the person who gives him a ride over is Moon Knight. Moon Knight's the cab <laughs> yes. driver. Right, right, so, right. But, but why? Like, there's no reason that Moon Knight, like, there's a lot of people in Manhattan. The yeah. fact that it happens to be Moon Knight as his cab driver, and they're thinking, oh, they're both thinking, oh, I better stick around and see what's happening here. And it's actually confusing which one's thinking which bubble because you just yeah. don't assume that the cab driver happens to be another hero. Right, right. Oh, oh boy. Um, so Josh and I have reviewed this writer before, Carrie Burkett, and I don't remember which issue it was that he did, but it was pretty terrible. I remember that. Uh, mm-hmm. So overall, Dustin, what's your impression of, of the actual writing in this issue? <laughs> oh, it's rough. Yeah, it's 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 rough. There, there's like I said, there's some random things going on. Um, it's Marvel teamed up, but they only talk to each other for one sentence, um, like one third of the way through <laughs> right. the book, and never interact again. Most of their interactions happen as his cab driver for some random reason. I, right, um, which doesn't make any sense. And then uh, another thing that's going through all of this is that Peter is really critical of his friend for not wanting to use violence. And that just, to me, oh, and but Moon Knight's um, uh, supporting it. So he's like, Philip Chang, you are a wise man for not um, using violence. But Peter's very critical of it, which just seems right. wrong to me. Like the idea of Peter Parker being critical of a pacifist seems like a mischaracterization to me. Right, and yeah, that's a good point. And something... I think the I think the Spider-Man we all know in our hearts, you know, we've seen him mischaracterized a lot in this era, depending on the writer. Like, we've seen Denny O'Neill turn him into a complete cold-hearted prick. And now, like you said, we have another writer who barely wrote any Spider-Man stories, but doesn't seem to quite understand the character. Because I definitely agree. It's like, I don't know for sure if Peter Parker should be against that, but it does seem out of character. Like, Josh, what do you think of that? it's it's so weird because like i I think that that could work right with with the whole uh with great power comes great responsibility he has this like um he he's the leader of this society um he has the ability to protect the place and was trained with these powers so like I can see it. I, I can see there being a story where that could make sense, but the way it was written, uh, it, it's completely out of character. 
Right, right. So yeah, maybe maybe I can see where where the like, the writer was coming from, but it was not executed properly, and it does it does seem like um, it's it's not Peter Parker. Yeah, I would definitely agree. There, there is a uh, a line that parallels that Peter says that is clearly p- paralleling the uh, with great response, uh, great power comes great responsibility. He basically says that um, uh, to uh, um, Philip, who's the pacifist, trying to like get him to do something. But his criticism, I don't get it. I don't get it. Is just it's just not right. 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 Now, uh, again, we've talked about the art here by Greg LaRock before, kind of unremarkable, but definitely serviceable. Uh, Dustin, what's your impression of the art on this one? Yeah, it doesn't... Like, the last one, you even gave the uh, idea as we broke down the blocking on that one page where it just really draws your eye. Right. Um, It it doesn't have that, and maybe it's just because so much shit is going on that the, (laughs) the penciler can't kind of go... Because some of these pages, especially in the end, where there's, like... Um, the, there's the dragon versus Philip. There's Moon Knight flying around with this guy. There's Peter in the background, default, def, um, uh, uh, Spider-Man um, dealing with the bomb. And I, the art <laughs> in some, especially in this section, reflects that sort of like it's all over the place. Right, right. Oh, it just feels like for lack of a better term, it feels like an imitation of a Spider-Man comic, you know? Like, it's so obvious that... I mean, granted, they did try to... It's not like... There's far worse ways to fill 22 pages, and I see that a lot in modern comics where they just have two scenes and five word bubbles and they fill 22 pages. So there's far worse ways to do it, but I just really wonder why... It's like if an editor is letting the story go through, what is the editor really doing? Why isn't the editor saying, okay, take this story and cut it that you don't need and then resubmit it as a new draft right like that's what i would expect i don't know yeah this yeah. does read to me like some fanfic where someone was like yeah yeah Knight's awesome spider-man's awesome let's right. make do some shit in chinatown right and and basically like yeah not knowing what to include and what to leave out that's the key problem i think with this one mm-hmm so I definitely don't recommend it. I don't ever want to read it again. Uh, Dustin, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm I'm on the same uh, the same page with you there. Yeah, uh, Josh, what do you think? Yeah, get this comic out of my face. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so done with this. Uh, the only the only cool thing I think about this, I really do like the costume for the White Dragon. Yeah, it was cool. Think, it was cool. Yeah, yeah. I think he's he's kind of like a fun character and. It might be interesting for him to kind of show up again in a in another comic. So yeah, we'll see. So only six more issues to go, Josh. Then we're done. Marvel team up. Oh my goodness! Thank God. All right. <laughs> so now we're gonna jump to Peter Parker. Dustin, would you like to summarize this one for us? Sure. And it, it's interesting because compared to the last one, there's both so much less and so much more going on. Right, right. <laughs> so it starts off with the answer, uh, terrorizing some uh, random hoods, uh, you know, and he basically gets some information from them about, about a body, and we don't really know too much about the body, but the body's in the morgue. 
Then there's uh, Spider-Man, I mean, Peter Parker back in his apartment, and he's really, um, uh, there's a lot of exposition <laughs> as he's mm -hmm. thinking about what happened previously between him and the Black Cat, his money issues, his issues, his relationships with issues with the Black Cat, um, his, uh, he gets harassed a bit by his uh, landlady, and then there's this quick little moment, I saw something moving it, it, in, the, in the bathroom, something black. Right. Um, uh, it, it, and of course, she like jumps to it. Is that is it that bimbo of yours, Parker? Right. So right. She's thinking it's the black cat. But uh, then Peter goes and checks bathroom. There's his um, Spider-Man costume hung up. Um, but you know we know it's the symbiote. So that it's kind of a little interesting thing that's slowly building up the uh, that background mystery, as you mentioned in the last episode. So that that's playing through both of these. Um, another interesting thing that parallels through both of both this one and Amazing Spider-Man is both of them. He actually goes out uh, web slinging to clear his mind because he's right. um, having issues. So that's he heads out. Um, there's also. Um, uh, some parallels between them with uh, um, him thinking about the black cat. But he goes to go visit the black cat and um, decides at the last minute that he doesn't want to see her because... And this seems to be almost the real story here, even though there's a comic adventure going on. Right. <laughs> In the background, now we stumble on the real adventure, which is that you know, um, Spider-Man is dating the black cat. They are a couple... But the black cat doesn't recognize Peter Parker. She, right. she um, uh, is in a relationship with Spider-Man, and she actually dis, um, describes Peter Parker as excess baggage um, uh, and doesn't <laughs> right. want him to say. Uh, so, they, so they're talking, and they don't know the answer, um, which is the, uh, the masked um, villain from earlier is listening to them. And so they're about to, you know, break into the conversation. And she actually says, don't say it. Um, uh, don't um, say that person's uh, dull name. And because of that, the answer doesn't get to hear um, uh, Peter's uh, real name. You know, I can't stand it to hear you talk about yourself as that dull person. <laughs> so, and she's being melodramatic, but it's interesting. It's a real, like, uh, thing. And... I really felt it's it's similar to when Batman um, mm -hmm. talks about what Batman's real name is. There's a famous scene where, and there's a couple variations on it, where you know Wonder Woman uses the lasso of truth on him and what's your name, and he says Batman. Right. He is Batman, right? Mm -hmm. So Peter is the exact opposite of there, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man is Peter Parker. You don't really refer to Batman as Bruce Wayne in the same way. Um, uh, the, and so there's a, so there's a lot of relationship drama here. Um, and then uh, uh, the answer goes back. He he misses hearing what uh, what P, um, Peter's real name is. He goes back. It's the Kingpin. <laughs> Everyone's working for the Kingpin, <laughs> which I think is true of a lot of this era of comics. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Turns out he's working for the Kingpin. The Kingpin has a plan for um, uh, for Black Cat and Peter. We don't really know what it is, but he wants the answer to uh, get them back together, and he's got a plan for it. 
as well as the body from earlier. And there was a couple of references to the morgue. There's this story going on in the morgue in the background as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that doesn't, it's just sort of filler. Um, the answer goes back, confronts uh, the black cat. And then from there, um, uh, he ropes her in because she has um, ongoing debts to the kingpin. The uh, Spider-Man's still out. You know, he gets in a little kerfuffle with some people um, uh, uh, that are in the middle of a heist, wraps him up, brings him down to the police station, where he finds out that currently there is a hostage situation with the Black Cat and the Answer um, off at a building. So the Answer has a uh, Black Cat tied up as his hostage, and he's got his hand on a dead man switching a bomb. Mm-hmm. Peter tries to um, <laughs> stick his hand down on the bomb, and uh, that's a failure um, because the, the answer, who I'm, I'm not really too familiar with, but he seems to have that sort of, you know, I'm, I have the answer for everything situation. Right, right. So he pre-coded everything with anti-stick stuff. So, um, uh, causes, he pulls his hand off. Um, uh, Peter has to grab the tied-up black cat and jump off the building the building blows up to the chagrin of the local um uh, police and for um uh, the local police and who are too impressed that he let them blow up the building turns right. out it wasn't turns out it was fireworks it wasn't real mm-hmm. and that uh the answer was really using that as a uh dis- distraction to steal that body from the the morgue side side story and now uh, the answer is it goes back, reports back to the kingpin. Here's the body. And I successfully got Peter or Spider-Man and the Black Cat back together again. So the idea of that, that action and that rescue is going to like repair whatever bonds restraining sort of the implication as far as what the answer in the kingpin's plan was. But it's kind of left. It's very sort of heavily dangling there. We don't know what the body is, the kingpin wants we don't know why he wants to make sure that spider-man and the black cat stay together and that's it we're left hanging so josh and i have talked um ad nauseum about spectacular spider-man we're kind of on the fence about it usually but uh first what's your impression of the art in this issue dustin oh um yeah it's actually sort of similar uh some of my feelings on the amazing spider-man um a lot of the blocking is pretty good mm-hmm. but because uh, i'm looking at the last page right now in the scene sure. in the morgue and it's just it's just really uh, i don't know if it's thinking or what but the nose on the police officer who's working the morgue um is a bit off it just seems a little a little rushed i guess um you know well, i'd be proud if i did it but it seems rushed <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I, uh, Al Milgram's kind of known as a, as a terrible penciler, and Jim Mooney is usually seen as a good inker, and I think that, if anything, Jim Mooney helps the pencils. Uh, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think Al Milgram's great, but I think at least in this issue you can see that he's a clear storyteller. I mean, mm-hmm. his anatomy is kind of wonky. Like, whenever a character is in an, in an out-of-ordinary position, you can tell that he doesn't quite have a grasp of anatomy. But if, but if you look at it as kind of like a 1950s throwback where everything's very plain and straightforward and not experimental, I can appreciate it on that level. So I definitely don't hate the art. 
Um, yeah. I think it's I, I actually like I I really love the inks. Jim Mooney's a great inker, I think. Um, oh, but yeah, oh, yeah. Josh. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dustin. I was going to say on, on the inking, you can see the difference. I mean, it looks like he has a ruler. And right, yeah. right, right. Just step up. Right. Uh, yeah, Josh, as, what do you as always, or, Jim Mooney. Yeah, as always, Jim Mooney does a great job inking. I mean, he he. We've been talking about how great he is since I think the first episode with the Amazing Spider-Man when he was uh, teamed up with John Romita Jr. So yeah, I I really oh, yeah. do enjoy the inking. Yeah. Uh, now, as far as the writing, Al Milgram again, not known as a uh, great writer. He had a run on Hulk that I could not read, could not get through. Dustin, what's your opinion of, of the writing on this issue? Um, I didn't mind it. I, 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 I liked. To me, I ba- basically the storyline with the answer and the kingpin was just a sideshow that I was not really that interested in uh, and it was but this the basically the relationship between the black cat and um spider-man slash peter parker this sort of love triangle between uh the uh, uh the three of them it, it was very interesting i like that right yeah it, it was definitely wasn't bad I, I didn't hate it it's probably better than an average issue peter parker uh josh what do you think yeah, I think that uh, it's definitely one of the better issues of uh, Spectacular in, in the last little while that we've read. Unfortunately, right. I think it's still tainted by the fact that like we're getting the same story over and over again with Black Cat and Spider-Man. <sighs> yes. Where like this is this is happening every week for us when mm-hmm. we're reading it is like they like oh, I want to be with you, but I don't want to be with Peter and it's like this back and forth and they always like flip-flop what side they're on half the time right. felicia's like i don't care who you are it doesn't matter to me i love you so you know you just be you and then the other times she's like "Ugh, peter parker that's disgusting don't mm-hmm. say that peasant name around me like she's so like I, it's just always so weird i mean even peter being like oh i'm gonna have to go yell at black cat about coming into my apartment but then kind of doesn't really like get into an actual i don't know it's just so flippy flopping between issues that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i i personally didn't enjoy it um enjoy reading this one as much yeah and i could see that would be it would be pretty could get pretty stale fast if that was an ongoing soap opera that just kept not resolving Mm mm-hmm uh, and so, unfortunately, we're kind of counting down with Spectacular 2 because we know that I believe Al Milgram leaves at issue 100 and then we get Peter David coming on at 103, which I am really looking forward to. But we still have to slog through yeah. at least seven or eight more of these, so we'll see. You know, um, I think the, the big thing for this, like, ongoing story, if they were, if I don't know, if it was the same thing happening every week, and it was something interesting or like, yeah. you know, I don't know, like if it's something that we're getting, like, if we're getting something out of it, like with this one, it's like we see the writing on the wall. We know that these two are not going to stay together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we, we know that it's not going to work because it's this constant like conflict between the two. We never actually see them together enjoying each other's company. Right. We just say, we just see them say, wow, we're in love. And then it's them fighting. 
further <laughs> the issue. Like, you know, it's so it's just kind of like I, I, at this point, I'm getting nothing from uh, Spectacular because I just know that it's going to end in horror with these two and they're not going to be together. Something bad is probably going to happen to Black Cat and she's going to disappear for a while before she reappears. Uh, and it turns out she didn't die the entire time. So, well, that's the th- it's yeah. basically the whole the whole series has become. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves mm-hmm. me not. And it's just back and forth every issue. And I mean, yeah, they've thrown in this new character, the Answer. Um, he's an okay villain. Uh, I hate his costume, Dustin. What's your take on the Answer? What do you think? I. Uh, in this story, sorry, I, 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 like, I, how do I even express this? In this story, the answer is nothing. He, right. uh, he, he's just a person who has a plan ahead of time. And maybe he was interesting in previous episodes, but in this, he's not really given enough time. He's not given enough action. He's just this, like, you know, all perfect genius who's doing the kingpin's bidding. Right. Well, so Dustin, are you going to read the next issue to find out where the story goes? I think I will, but it's because it has Cloak and Dagger in it. Ah, uh, yes, I'm looking mm. very forward to that. Unfortunately, we've already got a different guest book, so we can't. Oh, no, that's back, okay. I'll, I'll take a look at. Yeah, I used to read Cloak and Dagger as a kid, so as soon as I saw that next episode, you know, find out what happened with that body and Cloak and Dagger. So I'll read it. There's some, there's some really good cloak and dagger appearances because they, yeah, they mm-hmm. first appeared in Spectacular Spider-Man. So I would definitely recommend seeking those out because there's some really good ones in this run for sure. I think that uh, that first appearance of cloak and dagger is my favorite issue um, of Spectacular for sure. It might be the my favorite one that we've read on the podcast. Ooh, it's it's very good. I really yeah. It was definitely good. I, I believe it was yeah. Rick Leonardi that drew it, and he's one of my favorite so. artists for sure. All right. Well, I guess that wraps up another episode of Here Comes the Spider Cast. We definitely want to thank Dustin Windebank for joining us again. Well, thanks for having me. For sure, Glad we'll have you on again. And you know, we're in kind of an in between period here. This is in between Roger Stern leaving and Roger and uh, Peter David joining. So. It's a little bit shaky right now in Spidey Comics, but we're going to weather the storm, right, Josh? We're going to get through it. Right, yeah. All right, so Josh, you can take it from here. Yeah, we also want to thank you guys for listening. Um, It really helps when you guys leave us a review on Apple Pub, or uh, you can drop us a line on Twitter at at HCTSpiderCast. Please let us know what you guys think about the issues that we're reading and the podcast itself. We really want to kind of get that feedback from you and uh, let's keep that conversation going. That's right. So uh, until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. Do that.